Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to The Shapes of Stories, a podcast with me, Lawrence Prestige, as your host. Stories come in all shapes and sizes, whether it be from our favourite books, our life experiences, or the day-to-day challenges and issues we face in the world today. So I've got a nice little episode for you guys today. Um, yeah, it was a wonderful treat for me because my guest is Becky Bagnall. And Becky is um, a literary agent. She's been working in the publishing world, though, uh, a lot longer than she's been an agent. But now she's, um, you know, her, her an, an agent. She's gone from sort of publishing work to being a, a literary agent, sort of specialised in in children's books, which I suppose I know a little, <laughs> a little, little bit about. Um, so, yeah, for me, it was a really interesting, really interesting um podcast we've done one of the most interesting ones because uh I learned a lot and it's people like Becky that you really want to hear and and learn from and learn from their experience and and their um you know their 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 career and and, you know and then what they've learned along the way I suppose and and those things are really invaluable invaluable um to pick up on and um so yeah it was really great talking to Becky I really appreciate her coming on telling us um you know about her career um, what she looks for as you know as a literacy agent when she gets um you know lots of submissions she was saying um about new work and representing new authors what she kind of looks for um yeah and, and and you know and just listening to her about how she's been doing it in, in during this covid year and how the publishing world's been doing over this covid year as well um so yeah here's my chat with becky bagnall So thanks for coming on. How are you? I'm really good, thank you. Really lovely to meet you. Good, yeah, good to meet you too. So how how's your um 2020 been? How how was it for you? I think it's had its highs and its lows, like <laughs> most people. Um so I work from home anyway. Um so I have an office in um in my house, which is uh, except of course I was joined by my husband, my two children, and um, everyone else in that sort of sense. So I think that kind of the, that suddenly the, the pressure on space was um, was a bit of an issue, and everyone trying to do all their schoolwork and their university and um, everything else. So we don't have enough space for all of us really to to be working from home. But now actually it's much easier obviously because schools are back. So um, yeah, it's 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 fine. I think is what we would say. So no no personal tragedies or anything like that, which has been a relief. So that's good to hear. Good to hear. I mean, I mean, how so? Has it really affected you too much in terms of your work? In terms of the same kind of routine you've been able to follow and things like that this year? Um, yeah, basically, uh, I think the beginning of lockdown in a way everything carried on I think publishing was one industry which seemed to actually quite smoothly be able to transition to, to working from home um, I think every in some respects I, I think maybe apart from doing um, things like color proofs and difficult things like that where where you had to print out and see them so in that the business of publishing I think took some areas took a little bit longer but mostly it kind of moved quite smoothly I think now we're maybe starting to see the effects because everything is so delayed um, uh, so for instance if you if you buy a book or sell a book to a publisher, I think we're from, and I think next year it's going to be tougher. So. Yeah, is is that? I mean, obviously, because you're a literacy agent, are you are you someone that's having to be even more sort of particular about who you take on as new clients, just because of the climate and things like that? Because you, I guess, you've kind of got 
even a harder harder time selling to publishers now than you than you already you know than you would already uh, but because of the sort of coronavirus and going into next year you sort of having to really really you know I'm sure you do anyway but it's even even more so be very selective yeah. with your well, work. Well I, I think um, I've realized over the years so I've been an agent now for 12 years which has been um, a while and 25 wow. years in publishing and what I realized is that I can only really work well um, and represent authors that I love their work and so essentially I've never I've never taken on anyone lightly um, uh, and does it make me well, it probably does make me more cautious to a certain extent but if I love a book I just love it and in some respects even if even if I don't manage to sell it it really doesn't matter so um, in that sort of sense that I've really enjoyed it. I'm happy for. Um, I'm happy to work on it anyway. So not everything sells the first time you um, send it out. So it might be not the first book. It might be the second book, or it might be the third book. So you have different. Um, um, you know, it happens differently. Yeah, I mean, so you, you were sort of saying, you know, about your, your clients, and you know, you really, really take on someone that you loved anyway. So maybe it hasn't affected you sort of too much in terms of at the minute who you're taking no, on. But selling, perhaps it will be. Yeah. I think that's the thing. So for what I'm doing, I would still take on the authors that I. I, mean, I only usually take on two or three um, uh, new clients a year, so it's re- it's quite difficult. We get sent maybe ooh, between twenty and forty thousand scripts a year, so to two to three you know the, the the numbers are really tricky which is why um um you know it is really tough it's really hard to find an agent but equally as an agent it's you know it's quite hard selling authors to publishers so um in some respects and that you know each when you've got a list that's quite full like mine um in a way it's you know you, you have to look after all the authors you're looking up you've got on your list already so you've only got so much time and so much space anyway so no i will still take on as many as many as all three <laughs> uh, a year <laughs> And I will put as much effort and everything else into it. But yeah, I'm I'm just a bit nervous about next year. But maybe that's just me being. Yeah. Um, you know. So how many of those do you say you got all those? Sorry, was it 20, 20 to 30,000 uh, manuscripts you get a year? Yeah, yeah, roughly. I should work it out. I think it goes up every year. So I, I, I do calculate. But some, yeah, so on a day, an average day, you might get between 20 and 30 scripts oh, wow. just sent in. Um, and that will be, you know, each script could be anything from 40,000 to, you know, 150. In fact, somebody sent me one yesterday for 170,000. Um, so, you know, obviously I couldn't possibly read all of that. In fact, I have readers anyway. So um, I used to read everything myself, um, but now I have a, a selection of readers um, who will do that first filter for me. Okay, that's good. That's good. You can kind of have those people that you kind of trust the feedback on. Because I was going to say, that's quite a lot to go through like a day and be like, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that, that's it's a lot so when when you do get these um you know for people out there that are thinking about getting into writing or, or wanting to write a book and um sort of set a query letter or their synopsis or their first three chapters or whatever it is what's the most sort of common mistake that you that frustrates you I guess as an agent when you're looking at people's new work where you is there something that you just see straight away you're just like no I can't can't deal with this <laughs> I think each agent has their own little bugbears. Um, and I, I know others have a lot of things like spelling really upsets people. Whereas actually I don't at all. And in fact, I would say that some of my authors are dyslexic. And if I see spelling that, I would they, yeah, I think sometimes the most creative people are, are dyslexic. And that doesn't put me off at all. And I really, you know, in a way you can correct a spelling, but you cannot create a really good voice, et cetera, et cetera. So I would say, uh, but I do know some agents, absolutely, they see a spelling mistake. They're like, no, you know, they throw it out. Whereas I've, I've, read on thinking oh they might be particularly good if they're dyslexic so um yeah that doesn't worry me at all um but I have little little there's one little bugbear I have which is um so when people make up um places like um I'm trying to think of a, of a good example I can't think of but something like 
puddle town or, or like they're created up sort of names that um, are mishmashed together. And, and so, for some reason that kind of, I, I, that grates a bit with me. So I know that's my own personal kind of, uh, just it's just a tiny thing. For some reason the made up uh, place names or, or, or kind of uh, that, that sort of thing, just for some reason I kind of go, Ooh. Um, but yeah, I think I think everyone has a, a few little things that when they're reading. But I try I try and ignore my own um, uh, you know little bugbears like that. Um, but no, I, I think essentially what I'm looking for when when you start reading, it's just is a world opening up? Is it um, do I know where I am? You know what I am, um, when it is, etc. Just that who, what, where, when, why? Is that is that coming across really well? And if that's happening, then um, yeah, I want to read on. So. Um, I don't think I asked for too much initially. It's really just to, um, yeah, is a world opening up? And then I go back and have a look at the synopsis and think, oh, okay, hang on, and then what's going to happen? Um, so, yeah, so I, I try and go straight to the writing um, and, and just see, have they, have, they, have they opened up a world? And if that happens, then, yeah, I go back, have a good look at the covering letter and the synopsis and see both who they are and, uh, and also where, where the script's going. And then if I like all of those things, I then go back again to the script. So I have a kind of system of going backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards between the three different bits of information. So, oh, that's great. Yeah. So you started as an agent um, about twelve years ago. So was that something that you always wanted to do? Because you worked in publishing beforehand. What was kind of like the transition for you to get into agency? Um, so going right, right back. So I first um, I did English literature at university in Trinity Dublin, um, and there I used to work for a publisher. And I was um, I went in and I would just do work experience, and they paid me in books. Um, so I used to go in just, I think, one afternoon a week and um, just do some reading for them. Um, and then I went to, um, got a job in London when I graduated um, and at Macmillan and was an editor there for um, quite a few years and became a commissioning editor there. And um, and then basically, yeah, I, I, I just knew that when I had my first child, um, the commute, childcare, how much I was learning, I mean, publishing is not enormously well paid um and um i just worked out that my childcare costs were going to completely wipe out <laughs> for anything i think this is a big problem actually in publishing is it it's not it's not terribly well paid so um yeah i went i worked freelance for a while um and then wanted to go back into publishing um and i was trying to work, make it make it work and i just thought i know i'll just become an agent i could do that from home and so literally it was a case of what can i do that will you know, still give me an interesting job. And um, at the same time, I can pay my bills. So um, yeah, that was, that was what I came up with. And so I had no idea how to be an agent, apart from having dealt with lots of agents um, in, um, whilst I was an editor. Um, so I had, had, you know, done contracts and work with authors, etc. So I, I thought I knew what they did, but it did take me quite a few years to build up uh, the agency. So yeah, it was totally, totally from scratch. So I don't think, I wouldn't recommend that to most um, people because actually um, it takes a really long time to build up a list. Um, so yeah. luckily, uh, because in a way, you know, the number of jobs that you can get if you want to also half look after your children, etc. There's not very many that, I mean, you know, they're that well paid, etc. So yeah, that, I didn't have very many options at that stage. So um uh yeah that's that's just really how it came and I just thought right I'm I want to look after authors I want to um work in publishing but I want to still also need to you know pay for my childcare and um you know do all of that so yeah that's that's so I came up with this this plan <laughs> to be an agent. yeah yeah have you have you sort of seen obviously during your years and working in publishing and I was an agent have you seen the way publishing in general has evolved because just from conversations I've had like we spoke to Donald Sturrock who was Roald Dahl's autobiographer 
and sort of listen. It seems like the publishing world is very different when Roald Dahl was about to. Turn. Then we had Philip R. Dahl on, who doesn't have an agent, kind of works directly with publishers, and um, and then we've had like Stephen Butler on, who's got his um, uh, and, and Giles. You know, he, I know Giles is a client of yours as well. So have you, have you sort of seen how the publishing world's evolved? I suppose over the last few years. Yeah, it's really changed actually. Um, well, in many ways, it's really changed. In many ways, it stayed the same. So um, yeah, I, th- I think I mean it's it, a lot of people don't have agents and that's not not necessarily um something that you need or or or, or don't need um i think it's quite difficult nowadays um to get in as opposed to get your foot in the door with publishers unless you have an agent um but also if you if you i mean if you look at the numbers that i have so as i said maybe up to fifty thousand scripts a year so if each um if i you know a smaller agent get that many so publishers just had to sort of narrow down and get you know they use agents because we narrow down that that kind of um enormous numbers of authors for them because otherwise you know there just isn't the time and space in each day to try to fit that in i think what's happened is that um because of the internet and because you didn't have to i mean when i started in um publishing what we there were several things that you spent a lot of time doing. One was um, the photocopying room, something that probably doesn't exist anymore. There was these rooms that were um, just a box, basically, no windows, and they had several photocopiers all going permanently all the time. And I'm sure they wouldn't pass any health and safety um, kind of standards at the moment because um, they they literally, it was a really strong smell of ink, kind of powerful, kind of coming off. So all that would happen is as when you, when you started in publishing, you had to be um, go in there and just keep, photocopying scripts all the time because that was the only way for um to be able to share them to sales marketing etc and so and then every day when you went home you had your bag absolutely laden with paperwork because you wanted you didn't know which script was going to be the right one to you know the really exciting one so you had to take each script home with you so you might be every night carrying home maybe 10 20 just printed out copies of scripts so that kind of thing obviously you know email and uh, pdfs that whole that's changed that enormously and I think probably for the better because um, as sometimes it's about how many scripts you could carry home and if you you might leave one behind because um, it was too heavy and it was just the last one whereas that that doesn't happen anymore so I would say those kind of that kind of mechanical um, you know printing out and um, photocopying scripts just doesn't that doesn't happen so that that's a really good thing the fact that I can work from home um, and from um, as an agent etc that all you know that wouldn't have been possible I, I think I was one of the first agents to um, set up and not be in central London so um, again I was just lucky because um, I think when I very first started occasionally um, editors would say oh can you print it out and send it to me so I'd have to you know get my printer working and, and send it to them so 12 years ago still just a few were asking for it to be printed out and pretty much um, within about a year and a half that all just completely went so that was um, yeah so I've seen that kind of side of things change um, yeah so we don't have to have I mean we used to have real back problems from carrying around too many um, uh, heavy scripts um, and yeah and these poor assistants like me who has spent you know hours and hours and hours of days in these awful rooms I'm sure I will you know get some sort of chemical um, poisoning from that in later life <laughs> yeah it's it interesting because we're speaking to um, Jane Hissey who wrote the old old bear the old bear stories yeah. back in the day and she was talking about like she would she would like um, go pu- from publishing office to publishing office sort of pitching her ideas of her portfolio and, you know, being feeling devastated when they weren't interested and stuff. I can't imagine you really get authors sort of turn up knocking on the door at the publishing houses and stuff now. <laughs> yeah, I did. 
Or did that happen? Or I think occasionally it did. You see, well, I worked oh. for Macmillan, and so you had um, quite a lot of receptionists and things downstairs. So I think they quite often did have people trying to come in through the door. But because we were upstairs, um, I never really saw, didn't see that quite so much. But yeah, I think okay, they would have people try. But again, I suppose that whole gatekeeper thing is that, you know, literally, they, they it, you know, those days, the publishers were quite old fashioned, etc. But nowadays, I think you can get to people more easily with email, etc. I think or through Twitter or through social, you know, you can you can contact and find out who, who everyone is much more easily. Because in those days, literally, it was, a, yeah, I suppose you, there was no way you could get get hold of people unless you went through um, either turned up or, or, or through the telephone system. And then they had a very strict system where you, you couldn't get through to people. So I think nowadays, in some respects, you know, a lot of barriers are being broken down i'm sure it's still it's still you know difficult to get across the line but i think we are hopefully breaking down some of the, the you know those getting through the gatekeepers a little bit but yeah and and talking about i guess the the evolution of especially children's writing and it's interesting because i've had quite a few like we've, i spoke to giles paley phillips and kind of his, got his opinion on it Stephen butler and, and a few different other people and it's a it's a it's a it's a topic where i hate being on the fence of things but i always feel like i'm on the fence with this one and that's the kind of idea of the celebrity children's authors that we that we get and it'd be i guess it'd be kind of interesting to get your view of it from an agent where you see from my point of view like i, I feel like it's really good for for the ones that actually do write David Williams obviously he's taken over the children's writing world it seems but you know he is a writer at the end of the day isn't he you know he did you know before whatever you know before Britain's Got Talent and Little Britain he was you know he was writing stuff for the radio and television and, and things like that and you get people like Tom Fletcher that seem really engaged in their writing and the work that they do um it seemed but you know there might be some I suppose celebrity authors that perhaps don't are are as passionate about their writing that have books out there perhaps I think there was uh I can't remember who someone mentioned now in, on a, when I spoke to them, but they said someone had an interview once and no, I didn't actually write them. Um, so I don't know what your sort of opinion, opinion, opinion of it is from an agent sort of point of view on terms of uh, celebrity children's authors. Well, yeah, it's, I think, um, so, uh, I mean, interesting you say Dave Williams. I mean, I, I've read um, certainly the, the first three or four of his books, which I really enjoyed. I think he, he's got real talent. So I think if you've got talent, that's fantastic. And then equally, if you're upfront about using a ghostwriter, I think that's fine if the, if the writer um, gets the credit. Because sometimes what happens is that, I suppose, celebrity authors can reach people that perhaps uh, wouldn't otherwise pick up a book. So they occasionally they have got that wider reach. So maybe if you're getting books into the hands of people that wouldn't necessarily have them otherwise that that's there can be a positive there also some people say that you know off the back of celebrity then you're able to publish other smaller authors that maybe don't make up so much money i i don't know i don't represent any celebrities um only apart from my authors who become celebrities um in that sort of way but no one no one i have i don't do it the other way around um uh so uh i i eat and I don't think they would come to someone like me because, um, you know, they, they want the, the big agent in the flashy office um, with leather, white leather sofas. And I don't have that and I can't offer that. So, um, yeah, I, I it's it's lucky not something that I've had to sort of, I suppose, if, you know, if, you know, Hugh Stiffley came up and asked me, would I represent them? Um, it'd be hard to turn that down, wouldn't it, if they, I suppose, in that sense. Um, but no, I mean, you know, a celebrity who, 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 takes the place of an otherwise worthy author I, I would I struggle with that because I think that's not fair but um, but it's not a fair world is it so I suppose yeah I well that's the thing and it is a business isn't it it's, it's business in the day where you know whatever people's opinions are on celebrity children's writers it is you know if I was trying to put myself in a publishing 
agent's hat sort of world. Um, I guess, you know, when you think I've got, I can get the book deal with so-and-so who's got a really big reach of parents and stuff, and we're going to buy the book, you know, it seems like a bit of a no-brainer. I'm going to obviously think, well, that's much less risky than me picking up this new author that no one knows. Oh, <laughs> you know, I'm I guess... surprised that always. So I have um, um, access to all the data. So there's, like, you know, the Nielsen... Um... Uh, uh, Nielsen's have put together all, all the bestseller lists and they, they every every um, week you get sent um, lists of, of, of what's selling where and you can also just put in ISBNs and discover um, what, what the real book sales are which I found a complete revelation I, I've always been obsessed with figures um, and so actually looking and so some of the things that you think you know celebrities would sell loads of copies actually I think the market is very discerning so if they don't enjoy it they won't buy it so um and I think publishers learn from that and I think they then you know haven't um yeah I I, I don't think I think they've got more integrity than that so I, I I would hope that they only um you know obviously people get their fingers burnt um but yeah you yeah, it's 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 very interesting when you um, put in and see oh how many copies did that celebrity author sell of X Y and Z and all the other publishers will be looking at those figures too and going okay so maybe that wasn't such a good idea um, so yeah it's not it's not yeah I, I think they don't go in with that idea of let's try and just um, sell something that's not good I think each time they do try and put together a good package but um, that's good. So, so what so what are you looking for in terms of uh, what kind of themes of books are you looking for going into 2021, I suppose? I know that you're very big in children's literature as well, but is there any sort of other genres or anything that you'll look perhaps open to next year as well? Um, so when I started out, I was um, I worked across fiction and nonfiction adult um, and um, in when I was in um, Macmillan. But when I became an agent, I said I'd just look after everything. But I always had a real passion for children's book, just personally. Um, but what I found was all the authors that were doing um, the best for me were all children's authors. And so after about four years, I thought, this is ridiculous. Why am I trying to, you know, cover the entire world? I should just uh, specialize in children. So I now do, I don't, I try not to, I, I, mean, I wouldn't probably take on an adult author or anything else. So no, I'm sticking with children's, absolutely. What I'm looking for, um, you know, I think that's it. You like to be surprised. I'm I'm happy to um I, I would go to anything that just makes me excited so I don't think I've got a particular area that I'm looking for I mean I I'd love a good romance I suppose good YA love story maybe rom-com kind of type thing I think everyone wants slight escapism this year maybe to um I don't, nothing too dark or uh, dystopian I'm not sure I think we've having lived through that I'm not sure that anyone really wants to um, read about it so um, yeah I think and uh, interesting I saw something um, early on in lockdown uh, which was a funny middle grade um, story all about um, a couple of children who escape um, into the sea on a pirate ship and um, it was I think there's something about the sea as well because of everyone being locked in their houses everyone a lot of people felt that you know reading about the sea or um, yeah the countryside and different things kind of gave them a real escape from from this yeah, freedom. And I think that was, uh, yeah, I still, and I think we'll see a lot of that maybe in 2021. Um, so yeah, I think anything that makes you feel happy, and particularly children, hopeful, that sort of is a good thing, I think. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no stories about any vaccines or illnesses or <laughs> anything like worldwide pandemics, no, maybe not no, the best actually, pitch to you. That's it. It's a big issue now is for, so for, um, I think not for fantasy, obviously, but for 
contemporary YA writing is do you how do you include the pandemic or not do you pretend like it never happened so that when you've got everyone sort of hugging and things like that happening that is obviously normal was normal but now is not normal at all and they continue to be not normal for quite a number of I imagine for at least another year because the vaccine is going to take a while isn't it for everyone to I, I don't know how long so in a way you see you'll be able to date won't you oh that was fiction before the pandemic and this is fiction after the pandemic um and we're sort of saying, well, I'm, it's really difficult to advise authors. I'm sort of saying, well, maybe you might mention a little bit of, oh, yeah, you know, we didn't, we weren't hugging, we, or a little bit just that life is different at the moment, but as if the pandemic kind of is in the past. But oh, I don't know, it's, really, it's a really hard one to, to work out whether, whether to include it or not include it, or, um, but certainly not as the main subject, definitely not. I don't think anyone wants to read about that. No, absolutely not. Um, so anyone that's sort of listening, thinking, you know what, I think I might pitch an idea to Becky. I might, you know, have a look at her website and think, I've got an idea. I'm going to, you know, I've got, I've got something that I've been working on and I'd like to see what she thinks of it. I guess what, what would your um, advice to them to be if they were to try and, you know, get your attention? Like I said, not no words, sort of mould up words of towns or anything like that. But like, um, <laughs> I, I guess what, what's, what's your ideal client, I suppose? Um, oh, gosh, what's my ideal client? Um, you should say Giles Paley Phillips at this of point. Of course, Giles know. Paley Phillips. <laughs> How can I not? Um, Giles is fantastic because he's doing all sorts of things. And I think he's constantly surprising. I think that's what, um, uh, yeah, I, I suppose what, what what you want to find is some something original. It's so hard to say what that might be. Um, but I think it's so often when you, when you read something and you... Um, I'm trying to think of an example. Let's say, um, oh yeah, a lot of a lot of scripts you read, they say they start and it's the beginning of the summer holidays and the children are bored at home and there's nothing that they don't know what to do next. So I would say that, I mean, huge numbers come in of exactly that scenario. And in some respects that, the minute you read that, you think, oh, I've read, I've read that 500 times before. So it's, I suppose it's starting somewhere different. That would be um, the first rule is to try and, um, uh, and, and certainly for children's, it's start with something reasonably dramatic, but not over dramatic. Um, so, or something different, or yeah, I suppose it's different places or different scenarios. Um, yeah, so try not to go for the usual. Um, but having said that, sometimes it might just be something very simple um, that can really draw you in. Um, so maybe, I don't know, the child's in a crowd and they're following someone with a red hat and they're wondering, why is that person wearing a particular tall, pointy red hat? <laughs> it's not a witch. I don't know who it is. But the point, I think it's just sometimes the simplest things can draw you in and it can be unusual. And you think, oh, yeah, that's wow, that's weird. And that child's just gone off following this strange person. What was going to happen? Are, are they going to you know, be in danger? And I suppose that's it. So you can start anywhere. But I think starting, um, yeah, try not to start with either, oh, I can't sleep, they're bored in the summer holidays. I'm trying to think of other sort of scenarios that I've read a million times, but um, yeah. So I think, yeah, I, I think I've got no, there are no rules and any rule there is, break it. So, and I think that's, that's maybe what we're looking for is somebody different, so. Brilliant. Well, on that note, I think we'll uh, end it there. But that's it's absolutely great to talk to you. I've been I found that very fascinating and very useful. I'll make I'll make some notes of my own. I think about some. Oh, well, Lawrence, you don't need you don't need any advice. You've got. I mean, goodness, how many books <laughs> have you published? So many. Uh, yeah, four. Yeah, four books now. Um, yes, it's been going. It's been going going on. But you know, you're always looking to um, build on that. You know, you feel you always try and think like the best yet to come. I think, I think from my point of view, I always try and see myself as a, an apprentice in what I'm doing. 
and trying to kind of build, you know, learn and build up. So it's really great to hear from guys like from you, from Giles, whether it be Stephen and stuff. I, I find it really fascinating because I still feel, you know, I'm 31 years old and I'm still like, right, I want to kind of learn from these people that are really well, I think I'm learning all the time. I think that's um, certainly about being an agent. I think, gosh, that person I was 12 years ago, um, yeah, I, I hope I get better at being an agent and better at representing people. And um, and I learn new stuff all the time. I would say everything. If you do, if you, I think if you stop learning, then then you maybe fall behind in that sort of sense. I think everyone everyone should keep learning. That's, um, I mean, wh- whatever stage you're at in life, I I, um, I certainly think. Gosh, there's still so much more. And I look at other other uh, other people. Oh, that's a really good idea. I think I should do that. And so um, yeah, I think I'm definitely up for learning. Brilliant. Well, Becky, thanks so so much for your time, and um, good luck picking your three or two or three artists or authors next oh. uh, next month. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> So there you have it. Wise words from Becky Bagnall there. Really great chatting to her. Um, yeah, had a great time um, learning, learning so much um, from from her words there. You know, she's got 25 years in the industry. You know, it's someone that, you know, you, you really want to um, to learn from and, you know, take on everything that she's saying because, um, yeah, it was, it was a really thought-provoking chat that I had with Becky and, and, and really useful. And I'm sure she's going to have many more successful titles with her authors on the way um so yeah be sure to check out becky's stuff and her authors and her books that she's got with them uh, be sure to check us out on the shapes of stories on twitter that's just at shapes of stories you can follow me on twitter at l prestige 7 and follow me on instagram on prestige books so thanks for tuning in guys and i'll see you again next time